Hey friends, welcome to But What If You Did? On this pod, we are all about some serious millennial real talk and diving into those uncomfortable topics we've been conditioned to believe we just shouldn't talk about. I'm your host, Allison, and right now, when I look around, I see so many millennials trying to navigate these big life transitions. And well, if that isn't you, maybe you just have this gut feeling that it's time to pivot, but you're standing in your own way because you just don't know where to start. Maybe this isn't what you want to hear, but successfully navigating any big life change starts with putting in the work to learn about yourself. If you want to level up in life, it starts with learning to be self-aware and building those life skills that we simply weren't taught in the classroom. So are you committed to doing the uncomfortable growth work? Well, if that was a hell yes, then grab some coffee and let's get ready to dive right in. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of But What If You Did. I'm Allison and well, I'm back this week. So I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with Sam as your guest host. Um, I know I personally learned a ton about mental health from listening to the episode and I really hope that it was as valuable to you. I hope you were able to connect with Sam over on social and that you, if you're not on my email newsletter, that's the time to get on that. Um, we sent out a blog post that Sam wrote that I found super helpful. And yeah, I'm just really grateful that she offered her time to give me a little bit of a break, to give me a chance to focus on some other things for the podcast um, and how I plan to grow this community in the future. So this week, we are back with a really exciting interview. And this is probably one of the, one of the interviews I've been looking forward to most this year. Um, I am personally obsessed with the Enneagram. Uh, if you've read my website, if you've read any of my posts, you probably know that. I'm an Enneagram 8, which, um, as I've learned from our guest today, is actually pretty rare for um, most people, but also females especially. So I'm super excited to dive into the Enneagram and how you can use that to navigate change and adaptability in your life. So today on the podcast, I sit down and have a conversation with Libby Cole, who is a certified Enneagram coach and the owner of Expand Coaching and Consulting. And I am just so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. As a fellow Enneagram 8, I feel like Libby just gets me. I feel like we've connected about so many things already and that I could just talk to her for hours. And I'm just so excited to um, have you guys along for this conversation and so that we can uh, nerd out about the Enneagram together. So let's not waste any more time. I'm going to go ahead and get Libby on the line and let's get ready to dive right in. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Libby. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So um, first, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. And then I want to hear all about how your interest in the Enneagram started, because I am a super nerd and I love finding out how people found the Enneagram. Sounds great. Well, my name is Libby Cole. I am a certified Enneagram coach. I'm the owner of Expand Coaching and Consulting. I have my master's degree in counseling, and most of my professional experience has been in higher education and human resources. Um, I offer individual growth-focused coaching, um, and I work with couples and teams to help improve relationships and communication using the Enneagram as a tool. I live in coastal Georgia, where I love being outnumbered by my redheaded husband and my two ginger babies. Um, but I'm really excited to dig a little deeper with you today. Um, but I found the Enneagram first off just through people talking about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a type four and da 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 da. And I had no idea what it was. 
but my um, professional experience is in leadership development. So I had used all the tools, all the true colors and the disc and the strengths quest and all of it. Um, and so I decided to look into the Enneagram more to use it with my students first and foremost, because I was working at a college and just trying to find something new to do with them. And then I just went all in. I fell in love with it, went down the rabbit hole, um, and then, you know, didn't do anything halfway because I am a type eight. And so I became certified in it and turned it into a career. Um, for those of you listening, I'm also a type eight, which yes. is how Libby and I connected and <laughs> why I'm super excited for this conversation. So how did you get it? You said that you went all in and that's why you became a coach. Um, what was it that drew you to like the coaching side of the Enneagram? I felt like the Enneagram gave me permission that I didn't even know that I needed um, in mm-hmm. order to use it to share with other people and to help other people find their gifts and find their um, contributions to give to the world. And so I, again, being a type eight, have always dreamt about being my own boss. And I kind of saw this as an opportunity to pursue having my own business and being able to passionately help others and give more time to my family. Um, so it was just like a win, win, win situation. I love that. Cause I feel like that's the path that I'm like just starting to go down with the podcast is like, I'm finding that entrepreneurial spirit and mm-hmm. really like, I'm kind of done with the corporate world and the like corporate politics and the bureaucracy side of everything are just, they're just not for me and trying to figure out what that means in my life. So it's really exciting to see that that's kind of how you kind of arrived at that in a similar fashion. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot for me to kind of lean into this, right? I mean, it's been hard and there's been a lot of people that have said like, oh, do you need a part-time job on the side? Or are you really going to make something happen of this? And I've had to kind of push past the haters and push past my own self-doubt or fears or insecurities Mm -hmm. and just do it. Yep. It's that whole just start. That was Mm -hmm. kind of how I was with the podcast too, where like when I decided I was like, okay, I'm waiting around for the perfect moment to do this or Mm -hmm. because I'm waiting for something to feel just right. And it doesn't feel just right. So like it's never going to and I just need to start. Um, And so one of my favorite podcasters was holding a podcasting course and she kind of kept like just throwing it out there on her Instagram. Like this is, you know, last couple spots for the month, last spot for the month. This is the last time at this price point. And I like sent her a message and was like, oh, I think I'm going to wait till I'm done with grad school. And then I think I might do it the month after that. And she was like, what are you waiting for? What perfect life moment are you waiting for? Because perfect doesn't exist. So what are you waiting for? Are you going to keep holding yourself back? or Are you just going to take the jump? And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I'm the problem. You're right. I'm going to do it this month. And I like haven't looked back since, but that was the first time that I like made myself just start and stopped waiting for the right time to show up. And what a great message in so many areas of our life. Um, So for those that don't really know what the Enneagram is, I'm going to give you the chance. I want you to explain what the Enneagram is and then like give a high level overview of the types and subtypes and wings and all of the fun Enneagram stuff. Cause I just think there's so many layers to the Enneagram, which is what I, I feel like there's so much to learn because there's so many layers to it. Absolutely. So the Enneagram, what it is, it's a structure of nine archetypes for human character. Um, it's based in ancient wisdom, but it's used as we know it for about the past 60 years. Um, It's all about self-knowledge and inner work, which I love. Um, And it's looking at the patterns of how we see and think and the motivation behind what we do. 
that's what makes it different than some of the other tools because it's not about how you show up, it's why. Um, it's also a way that we can learn to relate more effectively with each other. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I like to talk about is learning how to treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated. Because other yes. people, right? <laughs> yes, I'm like, oh my God, that's totally it. <laughs> we have to remember that. And we were taught the golden rule growing up. Um, my son just won the golden rule award at school. You know, it's still there, but it's mm-hmm. actually about flipping the golden rule on its head. You're not treating other people the way you want to be treated because other people don't want to be treated the way you want to be, be treated. Yeah. And through this lens, there's eight other ways of viewing the world that are different than your own. And so, you know, leaning into that and accepting that and learning to relate with each other more effectively can be such an amazing tool. I love that. I, this is, it all makes sense now. Like this is why I make everyone take the Enneagram because it really (laughs) helps me to understand how to communicate and talk to them. Um, Once I've learned people's types, I feel like I'm much more effective of like, oh, this is why you didn't understand when I did that. Or, oh, that's why you found that offensive. Or, oh, that's why we weren't, we had a really bad time communicating that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I got to try it this way, or this is a better way to try this. Um, So that's such a good way. It's about communicating the way they need you to communicate Mm -hmm. with them. That's such a great reference. And that's why I love using it in relationships too. Yeah. Your shared vocabulary. You have that common space that you can meet each other on and you can say things like, oh, I'm an eight right now and I'm really sinking into this and, and this is why I'm processing it this way. And so it gives you that shared language that you can really understand each other better. Yes. My God, I love that. Yeah. So what it isn't, I'll talk about a little bit. So that's what it is. What it isn't, it's not just another personality tool. Like I said, it is not how you show up. Um, So it's not the same. It's not an excuse or a crutch. Um, So even when I'm saying that it can give you that shared language as an eight, it's not, well, as an eight, it's okay for me to be combative because that's just who I am. Um, So you can't use it as an excuse or a crutch. And also don't use it as a way to manipulate other people or as a weapon against them. Um, It's more about the positive understanding than trying to use it against somebody. Um, It's not an assumption to use about others. It is a very big rule in the Enneagram world that you do not type other people. Um, You might think that you kind of know where they might land, but you don't decide for them because it's a personal journey and you don't know their inner motivation. So you might see how they show up, but it could be for a different reason on the inside than what you're assuming from your lens and your perspective. Um, So do not type other people cardinal rule. Um, It's also not a contest. I know Allison and I might think that eights are the best because (laughs) (laughs) we are the eights, Um, but it's Mm -hmm. not a contest. They all have their strengths. They all have their positive contributions and it's learning those and how to grow from it. That's important. Um, And lastly, it's not a box to put you in. I know particularly some types don't like to be typed. They don't like to be labeled or put inside a neat little box, but it's not about the box you're in. It's about the fact that you're already in that box and how are you going to learn to stretch out of it and to grow beyond it? Oh my God, that's so great. (laughs) I'm already like, wow, you're right. It's not because you're right. Um, And I have used it as a crutch before um, and I've caught myself doing it and I've stopped myself, but I have definitely, um, I can be very passionate about certain things and I can be um, very much the person that challenges everything. And I've had to be like, well, I've caught myself being like, oh, well, that's just the eight in me or that's just 
part of my personality is that I'm like naturally going to challenge people. And it's not, it's about learning to grow beyond that. Absolutely. And having the self-awareness to pause and realize that you're feeling yeah. some kind of way or that you're you know, reacting to something in a certain way um, is a sign of health and growth. But then being able to pull yourself back and, and not just use it as an excuse can be important. Yes. All right. So let's go into a little bit of what the nine types are. All right. Um, so Allison mentioned a lot of different things like subtypes and wings, and there are paths and triads, and there's so much depth that can come from the Enneagram that we're not going to reach today on a podcast. Um, but just know that it goes so far beyond um, just learning your type. The type is not the destination. It's the starting point. So it's once you learn that type that you can dig into these other opportunities that the Enneagram gives you for self-growth. Um, so just know that there are these um, levels of health and there are subtypes that you can learn about and you can dig into the wings, um, but that is part of your journey after you determine your type. And when you're thinking about what type you might be, I want you to listen to this overview that I'm giving, um, but you really have to do some self-exploration. You need to read some things. You need to follow a couple accounts. You need to talk to your loved ones. Um, find a good website, like the Enneagram Institute. It really helps. Um, they have a mistyping section that you can look at um, that might help you decide between two different types. So as you're listening to these, see what you relate to. Try to think about your motivators um, and then do a little more research. And also to caveat that, I would say there are a lot of Enneagram tests out there and mm -hmm. that's not like, they're not foolproof. Um, I remember hearing another Enneagram coach specifically say, like when you're looking into your type and stuff, like it's more like, like you said, like reading all of the materials and seeing what you best identify with. And it's not so much just about taking the type test that says you're a six, you're a two, like really take the time to do the growth work to understand what number you are. Absolutely. And I, I try not to talk bad about tests. The tests are a great tool to use to start, but they are not the end all be all. You cannot say this says that I'm a 98%, you know, type eight. So that has to be what I am. It very well might be what you are. And that's great. But I like to use them to really look at maybe those top two to three. So it might be less overwhelming than looking at nine in a lot of depth, but it can kind of help you get there. But there is not a standardized test out there. Um, there are a lot and there's a lot of free ones that are great too, but just use it as a starting point. I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay. So I'm going to go through the types and I am going to talk a little bit about some of the indicators, but then I'm also going to talk about how the types navigate change. Cause I know your month of February was all about change, Allison. So yes. we're going to talk a little bit about how that type handles change. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about careers for that type, um, because I know that's also part of this uh, millennial journey that we're on right now. So starting with type five, because mm -hmm, you thought I might start with one and <laughs> we're mm. not, we're going to start in the head triad. Um, so the Enneagram's broken into three centers of intelligence. There's the head, the heart, and the gut. And it just kind of helps you wrap your mind around it a little bit more. Um, and the head triad is type five, six, and seven. And they're going to approach things from a really cerebral place. 
they're going to be sinking when any kind of stimuli comes in. So starting with type five, they are the observing investigator. They have a need to understand and they want to ask the right questions. Um, one of the main indicators of a type five is that they have a low reserve of energy. And that might look like waking up in the morning with only a 15% battery and you automatically already need to recharge. Um, also, they tend to be introverted a lot of times. That's not a rule across the board, but it does just mean that they need to have some time by themselves to recharge. So if that's really speaking to you, you might be a type five. When handling change, it can be challenging for a type five, especially if it's imposed upon them or if it's intruding on their personal space because fives want independence, they want to be prepared, and they particularly don't like surprises. So if it's a surprise change, it could be even more difficult for a five to handle. Um, but if it doesn't affect their main functions and it's not intruding on them, they're fine. They're fine with change. Like the idea of change in itself is not a problem for a five. It's only when it is becoming intrusive or surprising to them that it can be an issue. And in a career, if you're in a career right now, you might want to look for some of these opportunities to be more content in the career you're in or use this if you're looking for something new. Um, so a type five wants the ability to show competence. They want to share that knowledge that they have. They want to share ideas and new concepts. And um, they also want to have personal space. <laughs> so if you're looking for a new career, try to find something that you're going to have that space. You're going to have that independence. And also fives really like complexity in their careers. So they like the layers of things. They want to like dig into it deeper. And um, so find a job where you can really have more complex roles that you're taking on. I know a five, which is why I'm nodding and smiling the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this describes them perfectly. <laughs> I know. I have archetypes for all of them. You know, anyone in my yeah. sphere of influence has taken the Enneagram now. Yeah. And they know their type. Um, but I definitely have my own personal archetypes for each type. And my mother is a five. And two mm -hmm. of our best friends in our friend group are fives. Um, and so I definitely feel an intimate connection to the five also. So type six is the questioning loyalist. They have a need to be secure and stable. Um, a lot of times they can jump to worst case scenario thinking. So especially right now, it can be important for sixes to like limit their news intake because it can just be a lot and they can take it down a lot of different paths. Um, sixes are very courageous if they can press into the things that they're weary of. Um, so a lot of times it takes courage just to kind of get going with everything that's going on. Um, so make sure that you're practicing that courage and really leaning into things, even if they're worrying you. Change can be hard for six if they feel unprepared or incapable. Um, so if it is not going to be like a stable and secure environment, then they can be really cautious of change and they need time to process it. Um, so again, they can come around to it if they have time to think about what happens if and how do I handle this when. Um, and one of the indicators of a six is that they're said to have an inner committee. Like they have a lot of different voices in their head that are saying, what if, but when, what, and then how. Um, so if you feel like you have those kind of voices on a loop in your head about what happens when, then you might be a type six. Um, in a career they really want to provide stability. They want to be in a consistent environment. 
and they want to create positive change for that environment. And they're great on a team because they're the loyalists, right? So they're going to be loyal to the company. They're going to be loyal to the team, but they want to know that they have that security. So you want to be in a job where you feel like it's for the long haul. You are secure and stable in that role. All right, type seven is the entertaining enthusiast. They have a need to be free and happy. They are afraid of being trapped in emotional pain. And I know you might be thinking, aren't we all? (laughs) I don't want to be trapped in emotional pain. But sevens, it's even more so. Um, They are going to take any kind of negative input and they're going to flip it to the positive. And they are great problem solvers for that reason. A lot of times they're called the frustrated idealist um, because they want things to be better. They want it to be positive. They want to make those changes. And sevens, they love change. And they might be, you know, the main types throughout the nine types that enjoy change as much as they do because they're curious, they're impulsive. They don't like the mundane, the routine. Um, They search for change. Uh, But if it's a negative change, again, they're going to reframe it or they're going to avoid it completely. So they're either going to try to make it better or they're going to stay away from it. In a career, uh, sevens want freedom. They want new experiences. They want to be able to network with people and like get out there and do new things. And then they're always good at coming up with new ideas. So if you can find a role where you're really contributing those ideas and you're given a lot of autonomy and freedom, you're going to be happy in that role. So that, (laughs) (laughs) that's, I like have my like go-to person for each number and I'm like, (laughs) yes, this is them 100%. (laughs) Um, So that's the head triad. One of the things that I like to just recommend with the triad information is um, if you're ever feeling triggered by something, or if you are um, noticing that you're getting upset and you're in the head triad, so you're a five, six or seven, what you can do is really intentionally push yourself out of that head into your body or into your heart. So if you're overthinking something and you're all up in your brain, do something to push yourself into your body. So go take a walk, do a stretch, do some yoga, something that connects you with your body. If you need to get into your heart more, practice gratitude, call a friend, um, do something that connects you to your heart. But breaking that pattern of being all in your head and intentionally pushing yourself into your body or your heart can take you out of that negative pattern. So that's another reason that the triads are important. Um, So going into the gut triad, this is types eight, nine, and one. So the type eight, Allison and I, are the protective challengers. They have a need to be against and are afraid of being controlled, um, which can also look like wanting to be in control. Um, They can really be more tender people, but it's kind of that soft, squishy center that's under the hard exterior uh, because they like to protect vulnerabilities. And it could be their own vulnerability that they're protecting by putting up that exterior or it can be the vulnerabilities of other people. Um, eights are really known to protect others. Uh, female eights are the fewest and the most misunderstood. So I see you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I see it now. <laughs> yes, um, because it's not necessarily how women are supposed to show up in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so it's said to be the most misunderstood type. Um, but as far as change goes with a type eight, 
Eights are okay with change as long as they're in control (laughs) and if they're able to protect others in the situation. Um, So if they're not having to rely on someone else or if it's not impeding on their autonomy, they're okay with it. And they're totally okay to speak up and take action when change needs to happen or during some change that is happening. Um, So in a career, eights are really going to want to have some freedom to lead and to make decisions. They love to drive positive change. Um, So, you know, as an eight myself, one of the worst things that you can ever tell me is that's the way we've always done it. Oh my God. Does that just make your stomach turn? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care if that's the way you've always done it. It doesn't need to be that way anymore. Right. Right. Embrace the change. Right. So as long as we're driving positive change, we're good with it. Um, And then in your role, also anything that you can do to take on new challenges. And even if that means finding challenges for yourself, within a role that's been given to you, um, that is a way for an eight to be happy in their career. Mm -hmm. When I'm not challenged, I struggle Mm -hmm. a lot. So Mm -hmm. I definitely hear that. Well, and when we're talking about using some of this information to be happy in your current role, like look for those opportunities. Look for opportunities that you can challenge yourself or professional development that you can do for yourself if it's not necessarily happening and that's going to make you more content in the role that you're in. I've started to use it too from a like, I know I need to be challenged in areas of my life and it doesn't always necessarily have to be at work. Like I'm part of a couple of different like sub communities outside that I pay into and like that's where I challenge myself to grow. And then it became less important to have to have that feeling at work. Um, Like I can go to work and be happy and do what I need to do there. But where I'm really challenging my growth is kind of outside of work. Um, And it took me a little while to realize that that I just needed to have that part of my life that I was challenging myself to grow through. Mm -hmm. But what a great example of how your self-awareness led you to push Mm -hmm. yourself in other ways. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So the type nine is the mediating peacemaker. They have a need to avoid anything to avoid conflict, especially So they have a great capacity to understand others and to bring people together. That's where that peacemaker comes from. I'm Um, a wing nine. Yes. See, I wing seven. And that's a Mm -hmm. good example too of how as eights, you can show up in really different ways when you're Mm -hmm. tending to one wing or the other. Um, And also a great example, Allison, thank you. The wings are always on either side of the type and can help you decide your type if you're having a hard time with it. Um, So as an eight, your wing can only be a seven or a nine. So if you take Mm -hmm. a test that says you're an eight wing three, the test is bogus. So so pay attention to that because the wings can only be on either side. Um, And for a nine, the wings are eight or one. It circles around. Just fun facts. Um, So the best and worst of a type nine is that you can see at least two sides to everything. You can always see two sides to the story. You can always see everyone else's point of view. And that's great until it prevents you from making a decision or being effective in what you're doing. Um, As far as nine, or as far as change with nines, they really don't like unexpected change. They like predictability. They like familiar routines and peace. And if change is forced upon them, they might avoid it or become really passive or withdraw. And another characteristic of a nine is that a lot of times they like to numb out. Um, So they might distract themselves with something in order to avoid what's going on, be that TV or food or any other kind of distraction that can um, take them out of the situation. 
So in a career, it's important for a type nine to be able to resolve problems. So bring in that mediator, um, use it to create peace, to bring people together, to support people. That's when you're going to feel the most productive and um, the most contributing as a type nine. Type one is the moral reformer. They have a fundamental need to be perfect. They see what's wrong and they want to fix it. Um, and ones are said to have an inner critic. So if you really feel like you have that voice in your head that at the end of the day is just criticizing everything you could have done better that day, what could have done differently, um, then you might be a type one. And a lot of type ones say, well, doesn't everybody have that? And it's just not to the same degree. It's really not. Um, you know, yes, we all have that voice. We have that conscious, but it's not the same when it's almost like a berating of everything that you've done. So a lot of times with type ones, I really encourage self-compassion and using affirmations because anything you can do to flip that inner critic into being a more kind voice in your head is going to be beneficial. Um, so ones like change if it's making an improvement. So where we were talking about how they like to see what's wrong and they want to fix it, if, they're, if the change is fixing something, then they're going to be in with it. Um, if it's not, they may resist it. So if they don't think that it's making some kind of improvement, then they're going to push against it because they want what is good and right and they want integrity and they're going to do everything that they can to push something in that direction. Um, so for a career Look for something that has a lot of structure, that appreciates your attention to detail as a one. Um, make sure that you are given the freedom to improve the systems that are in place if that's something that you're going to be doing because you have that ability to see what needs to be fixed. So look for a career that's going to give you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yep. Allison, I think you know a one. Is that right? I, I do mm -hmm, very well. Yes. <laughs> and um, I do force daily affirmations on them daily. Nice. I start the morning with those every day. And I just didn't realize that that was such a powerful thing for them. And yeah, I know. I know. And sometimes I tell ones that I'm working with too to like name their inner critics so that they can tell it to be quiet. Like, huh. you know, it's like, shut up, Karen. Like, I yeah. don't We're you. done with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because it really can be negative and you shouldn't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to your friend um, or to mm -hmm. your partner. So if you can really- I'm all about the positive self-talk. Mm -hmm. yep. And especially for a type one, that is important. Yeah. Oh my God, I love this. So <laughs> moving into the heart triad, two, threes, and fours. Um, so again, when we're talking about the triads, if you're in the heart triad, you're approaching things through your feelings. Like you are bringing in information through your emotions. Um, so if you're trying to push outside of that, you know, connect to your head, connect to your body, find ways to um, integrate all three parts of you. Um, type two is the supportive helper. They have a need to be needed. They are great at making room for everyone and they are very good at displaying their love and affection except for themselves. So they give That's that interesting. Yes. They give that love to everyone else, but they don't always give it to themselves. Um, so practicing self-care is important for a two because you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So make sure that you are really taking care of yourself also. Um, they see others' feelings. They are very empathic and they have a desire to fix it. Um, so when they are embracing change, 
if they're helping someone else through that change or someone is being helped through that change, then they're okay with it. And they, you know, just want to be able to serve other people. Um, if not, they really might need some time to adapt um, because they like those stable relationships. And so if anything is changing within a relationship, they're going to need some time to adapt to it. Um, in a career, again, anything that you can do to connect and form relationships is going to be important. Um, so, you know, when we were talking about the type fives, we're talking about having that independence. When you're talking about a type two, you're talking about interdependence. Um, they really want to have that, the interrelationships. Um, so anything you can serve others, anything you can make a difference in, and any way that you can really lean into giving in your career is going to be important for a two. Type three is the successful achiever and they have a need to succeed. I am married to one of these. Um, threes are very adaptive. They can be whatever the audience needs them to be. They're often called a shapeshifter for that reason. So they are working the room. They know what to say, what to do. Um, sometimes they can lose touch with their inside because of that though. So really practicing the self-awareness and spending some time with yourself is important for a three because you need to make sure that you're not just being what everyone else wants you to be in order to be successful. Um, threes also like change because it's a challenge and it's an opportunity to prove themselves. So they like change in the sense that they want to like overcome it and show how good they are at handling change. Um, and if it's beneficial to their goals, that helps. Um, but they always practice that flexibility and the persistence. Um, but if the change is interfering with their goals or it's making them inefficient in any way, they may push back. So hopefully if you can kind of see how the change is helping your goal as a three, it's going to help you. And in their careers, they um, really want personal and organization-wide success. So if they're being appreciated for their contributions to the organization, appreciated for their drive, um, they are going to be happier in that role. They want to motivate others and they want to achieve results. Um, so anything that you can do in a career to, to set those benchmarks and then beat them as a three is going to make you more content. And there's my cat <laughs> to let you know that he's now arrived. Hello, Elliot. Um, so type four is the romantic individualist and they have a need to be unique. So if you're four, you're probably the fourth four that's ever been a four and no one else is four enough um, because it is that desire for individualism with them. Um, and they are also one of the most complex types. So it tracks, it makes sense that there's, you know, a lot of complexity there. Um, but one of the beautiful things about a four and honestly my favorite descriptor of any of the types is that the fours are said to be the only type that can bear witness to pain without having to fix it. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Yes. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Right? Like, <laughs> because I am not like, I, I cannot, it's pain without feeling like I have to step in and serve someone some justice. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So they're the friend that can just like sit with you in the mess. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be there and they're going to be okay with it. And they're going to encourage you to feel the feels and just, you know, be there in it. Um, so they have a more inward focus. And so that can make change harder for them. Um, it helps if they feel like they can still express themselves and their individualism in the face of change, or if they have a purpose within it. 
um, and if the change has a real purpose. But if they feel like somebody's trying to change them and their authentic self, then they're going to be very defensive about it um, because they don't want to do anything that feels inauthentic or going against um, them being understood in the world. Um, and as far as a career, type fours are really going to thrive on creativity. A lot of times they're in the arts in some mode or manner in music or, um, you know, acting or any kind of um, creative art. The environment is very important to a four. So like the feel of the company or your workspace or, you know, just what vibes you're getting from people is going to be important. Um, in a career, they want to be able to express their authenticity and they want to leave an impression. So they want to be able to put their mark on something and really know that they are leaving a lasting impression. So that's our nine types. We made it all the way we around. We made it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So when you're trying to, when you're first starting to work with someone or someone reaches out to you about the Enneagram, like how do you direct them to start learning about their type? Um, Cause I know it took me a while of like, just like you said, following random accounts and diving into books and like really wanting to understand what number I truly was. But if someone's like totally green to this, they've never really heard of the Enneagram, but now they're like intrigued by it and they want to go learn more. How do you suggest they get started? Sure. Well, right off the bat, I offer typing sessions. So that's always an opportunity if it's something that maybe you have done some of that research and you're still having a hard time with it. Um, a typing session can help you because what's going to happen is I'm really just going to ask you some questions and listen and try to guide you on that journey. Because again, I'm not even typing you because we don't type anyone else, but just having those questions and reflecting back things that I hear and kind of holding a mirror up to some of the statements that you're using can really help people identify um, I also have an at-a-glance sheet that I think is beneficial um, that's just a free resource off my website that you have all nine types on one piece of paper and there's, you know, descriptors and motivation and fear and desire and learning style and how you might show up. And when you can go from one type to the next side by side and really compare them, that can help you to think, you know, yes, I, I feel this, I don't relate to that. Um, and also looking at the wings, like I mentioned, if you think that you might be a type four, but you're really not relating at all to a three or a five, then you might need to dig deeper into another type because those wings are going to influence you at some level. And um, that's actually how my mom decided her type for certain because she was having a hard time and the wings are what did it for her. And um, because mm -hmm. she was really able to look at that and think, yes, like this is the little three area that I relate to the most and that I can see. Um, so doing the, doing the work. That's part of what I love about it, though, because you can't just take a test and get an answer. You have to do the work. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this. So, like, when you, I know you do, like, relationship coaching and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. How does it work with relationships? Because I feel like I see on Instagram accounts all the time where people are like, what numbers go well together? And, like, I don't think that it's necessarily that any two numbers go well together because it's all yeah. about the individual people and right. whatever. But I think it does help you to learn to communicate. And so I'm, like, fascinated by what you do with, like, relationship coaching. Absolutely. You are 100% correct that there are no best combinations. And there's been research and people have tried to figure that out. 
Um, but it's not about which ones go best. It's about really learning yourself and learning the other person and working together. And um, so when I'm doing relationship coaching, I'm we're talking about communication. We're talking about conflict management. Um, we're talking about the parenting styles, how to relate to each other. And um, we'll even you know talk about stress and health and growth and all of that and what it looks like for the individual types. And I will coach one person while the other person listens and then we'll take turns and then we give the other people opportunity to share their perceptions because sometimes that mirror of your Mm -hmm. closest person in your life can be beneficial. Um, And this can be, you know, parents and children or best friends. It doesn't necessarily have to be significant others. I mean, you can learn a lot about relating to each other in this kind of way, but um, in a romantic partnership, it can really be transformative. Um, And I offer a um, three session package or I offer a six month package. And, you know, the six month package obviously just goes a lot deeper and it really, you know, gives that time to make the transformation. It gives the time to try out some of the techniques and the tips and the growth recommendations that you're giving. Um, and I mean, it really can be eye-opening and life-changing and, and just make you see each other in a whole different light. I mean, being an eight and feeling like I think very similarly, like I feel like I would find so much like occasion out of helping people to find that. Like I like to help people find the best side of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like you must see a lot of that with like, whether it's one-on-one coaching or relationship coaching, just like that must be really rewarding to like, see how they transform throughout the process. Absolutely. And my style is hundred percent growth focused. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is forward thinking. It's how can we grow? It's okay. So what? And then I focus on now what, like, how are you going to use this? How are you going to grow? I use a lot of affirmations and growth recommendations and just, you know, it's not just about learning it. It's about putting it into practice. And what does that look like for you? Um, I know it's, you know, a little bit deeper into the Enneagram and not something we've really probably have very much time to touch on, but there is, so for every number, there's a number that you go to when you're growing. And then there's a number that you go to when you're more stressed. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Um, so it's all very intentional. If you look at the symbol, you see, you know, the circle and the nine points and there's lines in between them. And so each type has a stress path and a growth path, or it can be a path of integration or disintegration. There are different words that you might see, um, but it basically means that you're connected to that other type whenever something is happening in your life, be it that you're really just firing on all cylinders and everything's going great and you're in a health path, then you might take on some of the qualities of this other type that you're connected to. And learning about that can help you to recognize it also. Like if you, so an eight goes to two in growth. And so, you know, when we're really healthy, that's what makes us want to protect others and want to give to others. And when you're in a good place, then that's what you're doing. Um, And then an eight goes to five in stress. And that can mean that we are pulling into our heads, that we're doing a lot of research. We might get bogged down in like analysis paralysis. We might start to withdraw. Um, But just learning those paths can help you to be more effective. And you can also use it as like a rumble strip. 
on the highway, right? When you start to veer out of your lane and your car starts shaking, (laughs) then it's time to pull back into your lane. And so if you start to recognize these tendencies, then you know that it's time to do a little bit of introspection and do a little bit of work Mm -hmm. and pull yourself back into the lane that you need to be in. Do you use journaling a lot with your coaching? I do. So I, in every coaching session, I give some prompts um, mm-hmm. And I try to consider people's learning um, styles, styles and right? Preferences. Because, yeah. mm, because I personally like to verbally discuss. And so, I verbally yeah. process everything. Yes. But I also like to write. But yes. I am definitely a verbal processor. Yes. So I try to offer different opportunities for different learning styles and for different preferences. But I also encourage people to try things outside of their comfort zone. So I've been journaling a lot lately because it's not something that I love mm-hmm. and something that I've done. But it pushes me into a different headspace. It pushes me out of my comfort zone and kind of helps me to spread my wings a little bit. Um, But if that's something that you do love, then I might encourage that you verbally process more or that you practice meditation or that you do some gratitude. Um, But it'll be different suggestions based on the needs and based on what you've already tried and what could push you outside of that comfort zone. Okay, so what are your favorite resources? Because... I could read books all day and or uh, <laughs> listen to podcasts and or like, <laughs> so that's where my mind went next. Like, oh, how do I learn more? Right. Um, so a good starter book is The Road Back to You by Cron and Stabile. So, you I've know, Ian that. Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile, they are two of the biggest experts in the Enneagram world. And so that's just a good starter book. And it's also a book that a lot of people get started in, um, but it's going to give you a good overview. I also really love The Honest Enneagram by Sarah Jane Case. Um, mm-hmm. She is more of a contemporary of ours. And so it's a little, it's a little lighter, but it's a good intro book. Um, And it's a good kind of coffee table book and it's a lot of fun. Um, She's, you know, an expert that I appreciate also on Instagram. Um, She's Enneagram and coffee. Um, And so she's a a good person to follow, but there are a lot of great resources out there on Instagram. I have to say my account is Enneagram to expand. Um, So I obviously would recommend that. Um, I do a different type every day in a different series. I try to do some fun series, but then I also really try to keep them growth oriented and something um, that you're going to learn from as you're looking at it. Um, So before we wrap up with one final question, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on all of your resources, like your website, your social feeds, best way to connect with you, how they can work with you, all of the good stuff. Awesome. So my company again is Expand Coaching and Consulting. So my website is expandcnc.com. And there is a link there if you wanted to just do a free 15-minute consultation with me and just see how we mesh and talk about what we can do. Um, But there's, you know, all my coaching packages are on there. Um, for you know, individuals and couples. And like I said, I like to work with organizations also. So if you just think that your team at your company could really just thrive with this, then it's a great opportunity to talk about communication and having those hard conversations in the workplace. And so I love to talk about that. Instagram again, I'm at Enneagram to expand. Um, on Facebook, it's uh, expand CNC. And then I'm also recently on Clubhouse. Um, so the new thing. I know, checking it out. Um, so on Clubhouse, I'm just Libby underscore Cole. 
on there and, and really checking out the, the new digs over there. Um, but I would love to connect in any way, answer any questions that you have and, and start a relationship. Yes, I love that. And I really encourage all of you to reach out to Libby. And yes, <laughs> learn more about the Enneagram. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. It is. Um, so I know like, especially through 2020 and heading into 2021, so many of us are navigating all of these big changes and all of this hard stuff in life right now. And so I think it's really important to remember that like, this isn't going to last forever and that at some point in time, like we're going to look back on this. So I like to think a little bit forward in time and think, okay, so if I look back a year from now, what do I expect myself to be most proud of? And to kind of have that as like a driving force behind me. So a year from now, what do you think you'll look back on yourself and be most proud of? That I did it. And when I say it, I mean, you know, quitting my job and becoming my own boss and really dedicating life to helping other people. Um, but that I, it brought up fears and insecurities and unease that I didn't even know was there because as an eight, I'm typically very confident and very self-assured. Um, but this whole process has brought up feelings that I didn't even know I could have, but I've worked through them. I've leaned into it and I did it anyway. Um, so I think that a year from now, I'm going to look back and just be proud that I did it. That you did it, that you started. Yeah. That you took that leap. But what if I did, right? (laughs) See, and that's why I connect. See, and this is why you'll connect with my message. But yeah, I was totally the person that was in my head all the time about, well, what if this goes wrong? What if this doesn't work? What if this isn't the right time? What if, and I got tired of asking the what if questions. Instead, I started saying, okay, but what if you did? What if it turned out better than you expected? What if this opened the door to some really life-changing thing, but you were just too afraid to start? And so while as an eight, it's really hard to like, not be in control. Cause I think that, like you said, that that's my biggest struggle is like when I don't know how it's going to work out, I feel very out of control of the situation. But as eights, we do have to just start. Like mm-hmm. you have to get out of your own way. And yeah, I definitely relate to that from the like wanting to start this entrepreneurial thing and not really knowing where to start, but also just starting. Yep. Absolutely. Well, this has been so much fun. I've loved this. I could talk to you for hours. Um, but in the essence of my one friend who prefers this episode stay within two car rides, <laughs> let's be able to listen on the way to work and then on the way home. And for me to not exceed the car ride limit, I try to use that as my uh, go-to timer now for when it's time to wrap up an episode. I love that. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so grateful you joined us for today's conversation. And until next week, I will see you right back here. Same time, same place. Okay, friends. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, but I want to take a moment to celebrate the fact that you showed up and put in the work, even if it felt hard. Growth doesn't always feel good, but it sure does mean you're leveling up in life. For show notes, blog posts, downloadable resources, and more, head on over to butwhatifyoudidpod.com and be sure to join our But What If You Did community insiders so that you never miss an update. Just scroll to the bottom of the screen and sign up for free. And if you vibed with this episode, I would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts telling us what vibed with you. This is the best way to help the podcast grow, and I just love hearing how the pod is resonating with you. Simply take a screenshot of your review and send it to hello at allisonpalank.com. That's hello at A-L-Y-S-O-N-P-A-L-L-A-N-C-K dot com. And I'll send you my exclusive Life Lessons Roadmap for Surviving 2021 Workbook as a thank you. See you soon.